From design trends and styles to modern materials and color, these are the building blocks for the future of commercial and residential interiors. This is Element Sessions, an Element Designs podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Element Sessions, an Element Designs podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. So with a new year comes a new set of design trends, per usual. So, of course, we have to break down all of them on this podcast. And today, we're not hitting all of them. We're going to hone in and focus on cabinet design and trends in cabinet design. Everything from the materials to the aesthetic trends to the market impact. And who better to give us an updated perspective than Stephanie Pierce, Director of Design and Trends at Master Brand Cabinets. As an expert on cabinetry design for the home, she's responsible for trend analysis and development of styles and finishes for multiple leading cabinetry brands. Stephanie, welcome. It's a pleasure to talk cabinets with you today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Are you seeing those trends diverge at all from any broader interior design trends? Like are are the things that are, are being highlighted in kitchen cabinet design different than some of the other material finishes or uh, aesthetic looks that are selling in the rest of the interior design space, both uh, residential and commercial? Oh, certainly. There has to be some some balance that occurs, right, when when one element is is really being pushed really far into a category of such as kitchen cabinets when when the landscape is very white and bright and very neutral. You you cannot have all of the same finishes in the house fall into that, right? The flooring the walls and the furniture, all of those different industries that sort of make up that finished home interior environment cannot be following the exact same trend because you've you've got to have the ability to sort of integrate different values of color, different values of texture. And so we do see the industry as a whole, the home interior industry as a whole, sort of mimic different balancing elements so that the end result, the end product that either designers are putting together, that consumers are are bringing into their home, have those options available to, to, to create that balance for themselves in those spaces. So for instance, you know, flooring might be trending towards darker finishes if cabinetry is tending towards lighter. Um, additionally, you know, wall colors and, and the paint industry uh, have, have a really nice opportunity to integrate a lot of color and really focus on bringing color into the home when the other industries that are that are working with them are um, playing very highly into the neutrals. So it, it's interesting to see another opportunity of that evolution when you think kitchen cabinets might still be predominantly white, but we do see some warmth and some um, wood grain and additionally some color starting to come play in that space. And then um, if you see what some of the top colors of the year the paint companies had come out with for wall colors, as we see color come into the kitchen, they went sort of back to neutrals, you know, the the warmer grayish tones, um, the the variations on white, the variations on on beige, uh, where the previous year we saw way more color from them. So it, it is very much uh, a balancing act across the, the multiple industries that that 
bring products into the home and how they play together because ultimately the the choices need to all work together in that space. Another aspect of your career that I find interesting is that you do a lot of regional U.S. and Canadian traveling as well as European travel. So you're not just seeing the trends that are popping off here in the United States, uh, but obviously a little more globally. So are you seeing any of these trends developing in different unique ways in different regional markets? Um, and then, you know, how are you seeing maybe some of those inspirations come back around to the United States? Yeah, absolutely. Certainly um, in the U.S. And, and in Canada, you do see regional trends. Um, they don't tend to vary quite as broadly as some of the regions might like to think, right? Everybody wants to, to feel very unique in their own area. Um, but what I find is that they're more of a flavor version of the broader trend, but not necessarily completely unique and different. Um, just with the, with the explosion of, of designer influence um, blogs and, and internet tools and access, you know, there's not a lot that doesn't get um, promoted pretty much globally very quickly. Um, and, a, and a good example of that is I would say about, you know, even as, as recently as 10 years ago, we were still considering the kitchen um, U.S. market to be about two years behind uh, the trend evolutions and, and the trend directions that were happen happening in Europe. And I would say over the course of the last 10 years, we slowly saw that shift come closer and closer together. Um, that's not to say that we don't still see very unique things globally that maybe don't we don't see happening in the U.S. and, and you know, quite fairly vice versa. We don't see that very distinct, you know, even one to two year lag or gap between those trends that are going to migrate and their actual migration. Um, the Euro Kachina Kitchen and Bath Show in 2018 had some very interesting perspectives on contemporary farmhouse, um, which was actually trending in the U.S. at the same time. And what I would say is my, my perspective on it was that I think that the European kitchens at that show were actually approaching it from a contemporary standpoint and trying to bring farmhouse elements to help soften the contemporary that they do so well. And from the U.S. side, I would say we were we were more initiating that trend from a farmhouse trend and then cleaning it up and streamlining it and making it a little bit more contemporary. Um, so we were both starting at different points, but but the evolution of that style was headed in the exact same direction at the exact same time. Um, so just, you know, with all the information that's available and all of the um, opportunity for consumers and homeowners to, to educate themselves on what they like and what they're seeing, we really don't see a massive lag in in new utilization of trends. It's, it's more of a, it, it, the interesting thing, especially for a trend forecaster is it, it's more of a, we see all of this information and it's all very, very saturated and, and available. And the trick then is to decide, well, what's actually gonna move to mainstream? 
Um, because certainly there's there's the one-offs and there's tons of influencers and there's people who are doing really great design and, and sharing really great ideas. Um, but just because something pops as a trend does not mean that it's actually going to one, either last very long or two, become something that is is attainable for the mainstream market. Um, so it's very it's very interesting to think about how those things evolve and and how those global influences transition, and then what we what we actually end up doing with them when we see those things spark up. Yeah, I mean, I I just love to see the way that artistic design makes its way into you know, our most common interior spaces. Um, I feel like some would look at that and say, oh, shame, right? The the great artistic vision is being lost. But I I think I think giving people uh, an access to these looks and finishes um, at a at a scalable, sustainable, uh, and also artistic level, even if it isn't, you know, the Mona Lisa every single time you're doing an interior design, uh, I think is incredibly beneficial for the industry. Um, and and I, I think this kind of global perspective of being able to pull influence from across the seas and bring it back to the States uh, is, is good not only from an aesthetic perspective to keep design fresh and creative, uh, but also from an ecological um, and a sourcing perspective. Because uh, you know it, it just keeps the portfolio diversified, and I think that's a good thing for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, technology varies pretty greatly between different countries, and and their accessibility. You know, we're essentially in the kitchen cabinets. We're still in a wood industry. Um, and if it's not wood products, it's influenced by wood. You know, a lot of the laminate products, the really wonderful laminate products that we're seeing um, become available and the technology associated with that, there's still a little bit influenced from, you know, wood grains or wood colors or those warm um, sort of natural tones that people do like to bring into their home. And and the the technology and the industries that that create these products are very diverse when you look at the, the global perspective. So the opportunity to pull in influences um, pretty much from anywhere else, anywhere in the globe um, is a great benefit to the industry. And, and it's a great evolution to specifically the cabinet industry um, because of the opportunity to evolve you know, what typically would have been the way a cabinet was either constructed or designed or configured or paired with finishes in the home 15 years ago versus today. And, and you know, I would say one of the, the fastest changing innovations in the kitchen cabinet industry today is associated with those laminate type products and the finishes that, that, that can be created out of those. So, um, certainly some of that influence is, is definitely coming from a global uh, perspective. Stephanie, last point that I want to bring up with you here on the podcast, uh, you're also part of the Color Marketing Group, which is an international association of color design professionals. Uh, I know we talked a lot about vibrant colors to help accent kitchen cabinets. We spoke about how white is really leading the color spectrum for kitchen cabinets. Uh, wood finishes, they give that warm, earthy tone to the color design. 
beyond all of that, what are some of the industry consensuses on color design entering 2020? And to what degree is color playing into the broader trends of kitchen interior designs uh, in the industry as a whole? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to, you know, first of all, being part of, of color marketing group and, and getting that insight through that community of what is happening from, from a color perspective and how that's evolving and, and how color continues to shift in, in all the materials, not just from the home interiors perspective, but, but color and how it influences pretty much any product or advertisement or visual aspect that we see in, in our daily lives. It, it's just such an, it's an interesting evolution that we get from that and understanding where color could potentially be driving and why color is shifting the way that color is shifting and, and how that color becomes meaningful, you know, associated to the economic environment or, you know, the political environment, all of those, all of those sort of factors that actually, you know, unbeknownst to, to people that aren't, aren't really engaged with color from that perspective, they, they just don't, may not have that grasp of how it influences the shift in the tones that, that they see and the tones that are being uh, mainstream or popularized. So, you know, taking that information and applying it specifically to the kitchen industry, um, certainly when, when the recession hit uh, uh, quite a few years back, we saw pretty much all the color just drain out of our industry. Um, prior to that happening, there was a choice of one blue, one red, one green, one yellow, et cetera, right? There was just a, a, a option of, you know, a generic palette of color that was available to emphasize and, and um, accessorize in the kitchen area or in the bath area, pretty much cabinetry in general. Once we saw that color sort of leave and the age of neutrality came, right? Everybody wanted something that was very safe. Um, they were really concerned about resale values and the longevity of the color potential that they were integrating into their um, home, particularly for something that tends to be a longer term purchase, such as a kitchen. It was, that was really the, the turning point where whites and off-whites and neutrals became the predominant choice um, for, for cabinetry. What is happening from a trend perspective and something that is extremely exciting, both, both as a designer and a um, person who just loves the integration of color, is that as we see color start to come back into kitchens, and we absolutely are, we see multitude of color influences being played into this into this space. It's becoming um, very highly personalized. You know, there's there's no one solution of blue tone that works for everybody. There's really, you know, anywhere from three to six shades of blue that you need in order to capture the the majority of the market. Um, and blue was definitely one of the first colors that we saw come back. Now that we're on sort of the evolution to the next color and we're seeing greens come, it's really hard to pinpoint just a single green that really works across all of the different needs um, to fill the trends that are happening in this space. So, you know, 
easily there's three or three or four different greens that you see very consistently used and, and none of them are better than the other in my opinion. I think they're all very beautiful. They all have their place, um, but certainly there's no way to really hone in on just one. So um, I guess the, the simplest way, way to, to summarize that is as we're seeing color come back into our space and as we're seeing color being used in our space, it's, it is a variety and a choice and a, a very personal preference that drives the decision for the utilization of color and therefore uh, um, options and, and variety are required in order to be able to be uh, relevant for that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's so critical uh, when we talk about white. You know, there isn't even just one shade of white. Uh, and obviously, interior designers know that. But uh, an eggshell white versus a creamy, milkier white versus a, a really, really shiny, glossy, pure white. I mean, all of those communicate different things and uh, aesthetically are very, very different. So um, I... I think it's interesting to see, you know, when we talk about white, how granular is that going to get, right? I'm, and this is more of just a rhetorical question. I'm, I'm, I'm pondering it myself because I, I think that will reflect off of uh, just testing the market, honestly, seeing what clientele respond to, um, and I, I think there's a place for, like you said, multiple different shades of color that. Uh, you know, when, when we talk about greens and blues, I mean, you know, that can mean so many different colors and so many different shades that all communicate a different feel and um, and all sell differently and, you know, can be applied for different ways uh, for accents or for, um, you know, for the core color of a room. So it's, it's just interesting to see how color design, uh, even when we talk about the trend of all white, uh, can still get so granular. Yeah, certainly. I would say if you talk to the majority of kitchen designers, they're, they're going to tell you that they're pretty well worn out on the utilization of white, even though, <laughs> the, you know, the palettes that they have to choose from can be upwards of 10 different versions of that white. Um, it's just, it's nuances, really, that, that cause some of those shifts between those whites and and generically speaking, when you when you're looking at you know kitchen after kitchen or design after design, and and you know designers have that passion. They're they're in that industry for a reason. They they have a passion for creating, and they you know they thrive on the opportunity to create something new and different. Um, and even though from a, a consumer's perspective, a bright white um, might not be the right choice over a warmer white, and certainly that rule and that logic is critical and important and it definitely play, has its place from a designer's perspective it's generically still a white a white kitchen right so um you know we we do see some opportunity in shifts happening with the whites that that are occurring um you know influences of different sort of textures um whether it's a brushing effect or a translucent effect that allows some of the movement of wood grain or texture of wood grain to come through underneath or um, a brushing or a hazing of color that lays on top of the white and, and essentially you know the essence of what you're you're getting is still that very safe neutral tone but you're creating some depth you're creating some movement with it um, that actually allows you to play with a lot of different other finishes that either stack on top of that 
or, um, you know, just sort of dilute that starkness that that white does tend to to integrate into the space. Um, you know, it's you can look at pretty much any decade and, and you can see uh, the design trend that sort of monopolized the entire decade, right? And if you, if you look back at the last 10 years, you're definitely uh, you're definitely seeing uh, the majority of the influence, particularly in the kitchen space, is is being driven by white, just generally speaking, white kitchens. So I think it's it's had its place. Um, it's definitely served its time, and the opportunity to evolve it is happening right now. And we're definitely going to see some shifts here over the next ten years. Exciting stuff. And then finally, very last question, I promise. So are design firms bringing these trends to clients in any particularly unique, uh, economical, viably sourced ways? Uh, so, you know, looking at the the back end of how some of these uh, trends actually materialize, is there any kind of push for interior designers to think about, you know, as we lean into whites or as we lean into uh, wood finishes to highlight those whites or... Um, you know, the, the mixed material finishes we're seeing in kitchens. Is there also a thought to, okay, where do we source these from? Uh, how do we keep this green? Or how do we keep this environmentally friendly? Uh, or, um, you know, friendly to the to how it's sourced in the first place? Um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, absolutely. You cannot discount all of the different factors that might influence what's driving you know, trends, it certainly doesn't begin and end with style, even though uh, when you're talking about home interiors, particularly uh, the aesthetic tends to be the, you know, primary driver for a lot of decisions. Um, certainly, I think with more educated consumers, you cannot discount all the other factors that might be weighing on their their minds, whether it's um, you know, the potential longevity of their investment with the product, uh, the opportunity to age in place with the products, uh, and, and absolutely the environmental impact or the sustainability factor associated with products. So I think generally speaking, we are dealing, you know, currently with a much more educated consumer. And so there's always that need to put those types of considerations into product development and product lines where where the opportunity occurs. Um, the caveat there is that even though those things all still tend to be very important and in some cases, you know, you know, for instance, the the well-being of of the homeowner in relation to the utilization of the product, that should not be in a an item that they're striving for sort of as an additional. That is a that is a generally expected um, you know, qualification that, that I think most consumers expect the, the manufacturer of the products that they're purchasing to take into, into mind when they're creating them, right? But there are other things such as the potential for sustainability, the potential for longevity associated with products that you do tend to have to pay a little bit more for um, because, you know, there are certainly consumers who are not concerned with the longevity of a product. It might be a short-term solution. Um, therefore, they're looking for a more economical product that will offer them um, something that is, is only ever really intended to maybe be a short-term solution. Therefore, the cost has to sort of meet those priorities. So, um, 
it's it's hard to to give you the the concrete yes x is so important and it, it doesn't affect y because it's really it, you really have to take into consideration all of the potential needs of each individual consumer and where their preferences lie and then certainly um you know as a manufacturer we know we've got to fill that entire gamut because you don't know where the preference is going to lie and you don't want to miss an opportunity to to pull a, pull that um, designer into your product line and build their loyalty based off of you know the availability of, of the product breadth that you have um, or close that sale on that kitchen because you know you're be you're able to deliver to that consumer exactly the formulation of those preferences that they're looking for all right stephanie pierce that does it for this episode of element sessions thank you so much for joining us and for giving us uh, your perspective on the hottest design trends hitting cabinets in 2020 again we've been chatting with stephanie pierce director of design and trends at master brand cabinets thank you for your time stephanie thank you i really appreciate you having me it was wonderful speaking with you and thank you everyone for listening to element sessions if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes you can head to element-designs.com slash podcast again that's element-designs.com slash podcast you can also find our podcast element sessions on apple podcasts and spotify and make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.